It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Oh, look, Lamar Jackson just ran for another first down. That was rough. My name is Jeff Nowak. Welcome into the Inside Black and Gold postcast edition recovery podcast, therapy podcast, whatever you want to call it. We need one because that was... One of the uglier performances I've seen put on by a professional football team in 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 all phases. There was no redeeming factor of that game. I, I mean, unless you want to talk about Juwan Johnson's tightrope skills, there was no redeeming quality in that effort. And so <laughs> the first thing I'm going to draw our attention to is this clip from Dennis Allen. And I'm going to and, and we'll see if everyone else picks out the uh, key moment here the way I did. The question asked was basically, you know, what are the things you've seen that will help you deal with running quarterbacks the way you did not tonight because Lamar Jackson went wild the way you knew Lamar Jackson was going to go wild. And this is what DA had to say. There's a lot of challenges that go along with it. And and I was just sitting in there visiting with Mickey, you know, and I know the first question we're going to get is about, you know, the run game and things of that nature. You know, I think they had about 40 minutes time of possession. And so if you allow that type of run game to stay on the field for 40 minutes in a game, um, you're going to give up some, some rushing yards. Uh, I thought in the first half, I thought we, we did a pretty good job uh, of, of kind of minimizing that, limiting that. Um, I thought as the, as the game wore on, um, I thought that's where you saw some of their you know, better runs and more explosive runs. Did you catch that? Let's try it. Let's let's trim it down and let's do it again. And, and I was just sitting in there visiting with Mickey, you know, and I know the first question we're going to get is about, you know, the run game and things of that nature. I do find myself wondering when all when things are going well with with the organization and the head coach and the, and the coaching staff is the first thing you do after a game going sit with the GM and talk about the game, because I would guess it's not. I would guess when you're on a five game winning streak, that's, you know, nine-tenth on the list of things you're doing after a game is going to sit with the GM and talking about all the things that went wrong in this game. So I think it's interesting. And I think it's interesting that DA decided to bring that up in that moment. And I don't think it's... I don't think we're talking about a situation where Mickey's like, okay, you, you know, the axe is getting close. But I do think that the way things are trending with this team and the way that the issues that you see continue to be issues that you see. You do, you know, you have to start considering, do you tear this thing down? Because, you know, the the weakness of the NFC South is only going to be around for so long. Like, you can't gauge your future decisions based on just how bad this division is. And it's the worst division in the NFL, hands down. It's not even that close. Like, this is the worst division in the NFL. And if you can't be competitive in that, then it's like you, 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 you don't just 
look at the end of the road and say, man, if we can get to 500, we'll make the playoffs. Like that can't be the end goal. The end goal has to be to win championships. And this team clearly as constructed is not good enough to win championships. And, and I think that is the more frustrating thing than anything else is you look at what's happening and you look at all of the struggle points and you just don't see a way out of them, right? Like, there's no way to solve the issue on defense that you just don't have enough speed to contain Lamar Jackson. Like this is a slow defense. Obviously you have some talent. You have some athleticism on the outside with Delonte Taylor with Paulson Adebo with Marshawn Lattimore when he's healthy. You look at the front seven, there is no athleticism in the front seven. Like these are athletes, these are professional athletes, but you look around, you look at a guy like Roquan Smith who the Ravens brought in, like, where is that on the Saints? Like, where is that elite athleticism where you can go sideline to sideline and track a guy? I mean, especially on the defensive line, you don't have anyone who's, who's going to track someone to the edge of the field. You know, Peyton Turner, I think, has some upside in that regard, and he's been healthy the last two weeks. That's good to see. But, I mean, like, you know, you look at you look at these guys getting outclassed on the defensive line, and that's a problem because this is where you built your team through. You know, and if your only way to win games is to is to get after – statuesque quarterbacks that's getting far less often that you get that opportunity, right? The modern quarterback is not a guy who's going to stand in the pocket, right? You get the Justin Fields, you get the Lamar Jackson, heck, even like Daniel Jones, Trevor Lawrence, these are guys who are going to break the pocket, break contain. And if your only way to pressure the quarterback is this kind of antique front four where you're just trying to, I don't know, pressure a guy in the pocket, like it's not working guys. Something has to change. And, you see time after time after time, this team fails to contain mobile quarterbacks. And like, what do you do there? You know, and, and so that's the defensive side of the ball. And, I, I, you know, this, the wild thing is, I don't think that was the biggest issue today. The biggest issue was, what was this play calling that was going on? Like, what was it? Like, Taysom Hill gets one carry for six yards. And you, and you can say, wow, the, the game plan just, just dictated this and that and this and that. You had third and short on the opening possession. And you decided to run the ball into a stacked box with Alvin Kamara. If you're going to run into a stacked box, why wouldn't you get an extra blocker on the field? Like If, if you're going to run into that box no matter what happens, you're not going to check out into anything, then why is it Alvin Kamara running the ball? It should be Taysom Hill, right? Why are you putting Taysom Hill on the field and calling for a reverse to Dwayne Washington? Why are you in the red zone putting Taysom Hill on the field and running a zone read where, you know, obviously you're not calling for that ball to be handed off. It's based on what you see, but you're putting Taysom Hill and and Dwayne Washington in that combination on second down in the red zone on a got to have it drive. I mean, come on. Like that just doesn't make sense. Like you should not be setting yourself up for a scenario where in this premium red zone snap, Dwayne Washington ends up with the ball. And like Dwayne Washington's fine, but you're just putting, you're setting yourself up to fail, right? Like either that ball should be in Taysom Hill's hands or it should be in Alvin Kamara's hands. There should be no scenario where second down in the red zone of a drive you desperately need a touchdown that Dwayne Washington ends up with the ball. I'm sorry, that can't happen, right? And there was just time after time where it just seemed like like you are overthinking this. Like, I don't know, it... I think part of it was due to the fact that the offensive line couldn't block a lick, you know, and, and I, you have to give them a little bit of credit. They were playing in the second half without Eric McCoy. It is very difficult to replace your center mid game, not only because they do a lot of things. It is a very technical position, but they also handle a lot of the line calls. And I think that's part of the reason you saw, not only did you see Andy Dalton getting hit, you saw Andy Dalton getting blown up 
in that second half. And that was not, that is not something you've been seeing the last few weeks. This offensive line group has been good. They were not good today. So hopefully Eric McCoy's injury is not significant and he'll be able to get back out there. But you know, it is a bummer because we've talked a lot about how Cesar Ruiz has been thriving at guard. We talked to him this week. He says, Oh, I finally feel natural at guard. And then all of a sudden, you know, next, next game, suddenly he's back at center. And, you know, I think that he has kind of gotten to the point where he can switch back between positions and not lose all of his momentum at guard, but he is not suited to play center in the NFL right now because he hasn't been training at center. It hasn't been the position he's focused on. He hasn't been dealing with making line calls. He has like, so it's, you're just setting yourself up to fail again. Frustrating, you know, and there's a, there's a scenario where maybe this team gets Trevor Penning back. Maybe they get some of these pieces back and they can start to make hay. They can start to create a sustainable run of success. But at this point you are looking at, you win a game, you lose two. You win a game, you lose three. You win a game, you lose two. And that is a recipe for picking in the top 10, except you do not have a top 10 pick to use. You are the Panthers, right? You are the Panthers, except you don't have your first round pick. And that is depressing as all hell to say, but it is true. Again, my name is Jeff Nowak. You're listening to Inside Black and Gold. This is the post-game recovery edition. Let's listen to more from DA. Look, they, they, uh, they beat us tonight. You know, they beat us in a lot of different areas. They sure did. They sure did. Let's just go through some of these stats, right? The Ravens had four sacks in this game. Justin Houston, old man Justin Houston, had two and a half. He had three quarterback hits. And every time he got to the quarterback, it felt like he was blowing him up, right? There was three balls batted down at the line. At least, you know, that last one that got batted into Justin Houston's hands essentially ended the game. The Saints gave it a little last gasp effort that touched down to Juwan Johnson where he tight roped to the sideline. You know, it kept them alive. If they had been able, you know, if they had been able to stop <laughs> Lamar Jackson and get the ball back down 14 with about four minutes left, it's not a good chance, but it's not impossible. It is impossible if. You allow them to burn three minutes of clock because you cannot stop them from doing the thing you know they're going to do. And that's ugly to watch. But yeah, I mean, time of possession, 37 minutes and 47 seconds for the Ravens, 22 minutes and 13 seconds for the Saints. You almost got doubled up in time of possession in a 60 minute football game. They had the ball for nearly 40 minutes. You can't win a game that way. And, you know, so that's on that's on the offense, not sustaining drives. And that is on the defense, not finishing drives and getting off the field on third down. You know, like it wasn't it wasn't like the Ravens were, were hitting big plays. And before this game, I came on and said, you know, if the Saints can avoid allowing big plays over the top, they should have a good chance in this game. You want to make them beat you with a thousand cuts. Well, they got a thousand and one cuts like the Ravens were able to extend virtually every drive. And, you know, it's hard enough to win a game where your defense is tired in a game against Lamar Jackson. <laughs> You're not winning that game. I'm sorry. And the offense just didn't do enough early in this game to make it competitive, to put any game pressure on the Ravens whatsoever. They got to do whatever they wanted. There was one play in the second quarter where Lamar was just Lamar was just toying with the defense. He he took a snap, literally did not move his feet. His feet were planted in the ground. He took the shotgun snap. He faked a handoff. Then he threw a dart downfield for a first down. Literally, his feet never left the ground. Think about that. He, he didn't set. He didn't move. He was just toying with the Saints defense. It was it was remarkable. And Lamar Jackson is incredible. He's he's league MVP for a reason. But this defense had nothing for him. And you're only going to see more and more and more of these type of mobile quarterbacks that 
that tacks every level of your defense. And the Saints are only equipped to stop quarterbacks who want to stand in the pocket and throw. They're, they're equipped to beat Tom Brady and about nobody else. You know, and, and the, the league has been trending away from that for a long time. And I think that Saints have kind of resisted the urge to get smaller and more athletic at these line positions. But it is costing them now. And I don't know if there's a way around it. And it's frustrating to watch. But yeah, Lamar Jackson, he was 12 for 22, 133 yards passing and a touchdown. Kenyon Drake, 24 rushes for 93 yards. Lamar, 11 rushes, 82 yards. You know, so you're allowing 170 yards to uh, Kenyon Drake and Lamar Jackson. You're going to lose that game. Isaiah Likely, one catch for 24 yards. I mean, you look at the the, the receptions. James Prochet, Kenyon Drake were the only two players with multiple catches in this game. They get the Ravens dominated. They dominated on the ground. The Saints, on the other hand, Alvin Kamara, leading rusher, nine carries, 30 yards. Dwayne Washington, three carries, seven yards. Taysom Hill, one carry, six yards. Inexcusable, in my opinion. He also completed his 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 weekly pass for 13 yards. Andy Dalton ended up 19 to 29 for 210 yards, a touchdown and an interception. You know, these are empty numbers. Chris Olave, he's going to be rookie of the year, or at least he should be. Six catches, 71 yards. I mean, he is thriving in an offense that couldn't do anything with no other weapons. Marquez Callaway, you know, I I, I think that it, I want to see the film on that missed touchdown at the end of the first half. I think that's on him. I don't think he got the depth he would needed to get. You know, Andy didn't throw the best ball. He rifled it and he didn't have to. But I think that Marquez was supposed to be a little further downfield and he didn't get to his landmark. But, you know, that's a play. That, it's an example of a play that you didn't get in this game that you needed to get. And it's just, it's just, uh, it's frustrating. You know, you every every few weeks you get like this glimmer of hope that this Saints team might be turning around. And then they come back and they just pull the rug out from under you <laughs> on both sides of the ball. Like they just got beat. They just got flat out beat in this game. You know, a, a good sign that you, that you got destroyed is when your safety is leading your team in tackles with 11. That was Marcus May. He had eight solo tackles in this game. When the, the action is getting to your safety for him to make a solo tackle that often means you are not doing the job up front. There's also some some really negative stuff to talk about in the sense that we talked about Eric McCoy went out with an injury. I think it was a calf injury. Pete Warner got carted off the field. Well, not carted off the field. He got carted back to the locker room with an ankle injury. Marcus Davenport is also dealing with an injury. You know, I think the Saints have a good matchup coming up next week in the Steelers. You, you really better win that game. Get to four and six. But I don't know. I mean... You know, you say, oh, all they need to do is get to seven wins to make the playoffs. I don't know if they can do that. I really, I really genuinely don't. That's what I got there. Yeah, and you listen to Inside Black and Gold. My name is Jeff Nowak, WWL Digital Sports Producer. I'm tired. I'm tired because it's late. I'm tired because I've been working for 12 hours. And I'm tired because I had to sit through another three-hour football game watching the Saints get blown off the field. The only positive thing I can say about that game is it was short. But all right. Let's go to some questions. I'm sure that they're all friendly and nice. Alex DeVille, embarrassing. So he says, I can't disagree. Franz, always, always, always friendly. That was sarcasm. How does every bad decision for the last four years all crashing down on top of your head at once feel? One week at a time, guys. We've got some bad football to watch. I can't disagree with that. He's trolling, but I also can't disagree with that. I think that, you know, there is a point where... 
the combination of all these questionable choices you have made and kicking cans down the road and, and allowing your defense to get older and, you know, not tearing things down when it makes sense to tear things down, you start to, you start to wonder, it's like, can you be competitive with this group? And I'm not sure you can be. There's Franz again. Now the continuity project is in complete shambles. Can we start interviewing some real coaches again? Also, how many times can Carmichael scheme Kamara into Roquan Smith's shoulder? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I, here, that's the thing. Like, the continuity thing, and, we, and I've talked about this in the past, is, you know, it, it makes for some awkward situations because you are either sticking with DA and you're sticking with the group or you are starting from scratch. You are not bringing in a head coach and saying, okay, well, Ryan Nielsen's your defense coordinator. Pete Carmichael's your offensive coordinator. And you're keeping the wide receivers coach. Keeping it. like that, that new hire would have to be able to bring in their own, entire new staff. And I think that was the reason you ended up with D in the first place is you felt really comfortable with the, with the coaching staff, with the depth, with the culture around this team. You didn't want to replace it. So it makes it really difficult to hire a coach if you're, if you're looking at that. Now, I, don't, I still don't think that, that Mickey Loomis and this team, they're going to shift course this early. And it's not going to happen this season because no matter how bad things get, you're always going to have an out. And that's frustrating, but it's also true, right? You could be three and three and eight, and you would still feel like if you get things together and you win a couple games, you can still get to the top of the NFC South. It's that week. The problem is every every chance the Saints have to kind of level themselves with the field, they fail and they they stumble over themselves. So, Murtis, log it. I ate too many sour gummy bears. You say that every week when they lose. Stop eating sour gummy bears. Bobby the Space Ghost. I stopped watching and just turned on the radio to listen after the first half ended. It was that bad. Well, I appreciate you listening to the broadcast. I'm sure Mike Haas and Deuce McAllister were able to uh, commiserate with you about the ugliness that we saw. But yeah, I mean, if I wasn't, it wasn't my job to watch these games, I would not have watched this entire game. Why would you? <laughs> Cheer up. Yeah, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be cheery. I mean, there's nothing good to talk about. There's no positivity to bring out of that game. Um, Rashid Shahid didn't fumble a punt. He also didn't field one and lost him 26 yards. I don't blame him. Jordan Stout. I need to go in the film and like watch how this guy punts because it, it, it looked like it was coming off his foot like a corkscrew. And I think that makes it really difficult for the punter. Like I don't blame Rashid Shahid for not fielding that initial punt because it came off the side of his foot and it was just this wild spinning kick that if he tries to field that, he probably, he probably drops it. So I don't blame him, but then it just took that huge kick and I was just like, that's exactly how this game went in a nutshell. He did field the second punt from Jordan Stout, and he almost dropped it. He he, he had a he had a nightmare of a time tracking it through the air. I don't know if it's like a knuckleball going through the air, but he just couldn't find it. And then he had to catch it behind him. It was a nice job catching it, but yeah. He did have one nice punt return. I thought that was, you know, if you wanted to pick one nice play from the game, that would probably be it. Gene Gibson, Saints have backup quarterbacks. The end. Yeah, I mean, you're right. <laughs> Andy Dalton is a backup quarterback. He was signed as a backup quarterback. The fact that he is in there and the fact that this offense came into the came into the game as a top 10 group, you know, he's he's a guy who is not going to be dynamic. He's going to do the job and you know, you feel like that's going to get you through in a lot of matchups in a game where you need the offense to assert itself. And the defense is not being able to get off the field and the defense is not able to turn the ball over and set you up in positive in plus field position. He's not going to get it done. Um, and 
you know, I don't, I don't know if Jameis would be better. I don't think either of those guys is the future at the quarterback position. Whether you want to see Jameis in there, I don't think even the, the biggest Jameis fan in the world would want to send him in there and have him get teed off on the way Andy Dalton was today, right? Like, that's not good. He's not going to have any better success when Justin Houston is blowing him up from the blind side because a block was missed. So, I don't know. It's, it's frustrating. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Fan. This game felt like a trap game. Why does every NFL team get us? Now, I think we I feel like I'm having deja vu because I've said this before and I really do mean it. There is no such thing as a trap game. When you are a bad football team, you are just a bad team losing. And that's what the Saints are right now. (laughs) The Saints are a bad team that lost a football game to a to a decent team. I don't think this Ravens team is great. It's just the team that the Saints cannot handle. And that's frustrating. Now, in fairness, the Ravens have had 10-point leads in all nine of their games this season, which that's pretty remarkable when you think about it, and also the fact that they've lost three of them. So, yeah, Lisa McDermott, you said effort. There was zero effort. I mean, these guys are out there trying. <laughs> I thought Tyron Matthew had a decent game. I thought Alante Taylor had a decent game. It was just, you know, you just, at a certain point, the defense was exhausted, and you just could had nothing left. And that's what happens when you lose the time of possession battle by that much. You know, in order for this this game to go a different way, the Saints offense was going to need to extend drives. And especially in the first half, they were unable to do that. Yeah, well, that's what we we're talking about. The second quarter Ravens drive was 12 minutes long. That was essentially the entire first half. I mean, yeah, it's, and it just kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. And, you know, that's on the defense. But... You know, you you don't have an offense that is going to allow you to recover from that drive. You know, and, and that's just didn't go well today. And yeah, you know, I don't think that this offense is going to turn around, like turn its turn its back on and how things have gone. And here's what Aunt Da had to say on the quarterback situation. Right, he was asked if this is something that will make you reevaluate what's happening at quarterback. No, I think this is a this is a you know over the last whatever it's been five weeks, I think our offense has has, has been pretty good and, and moved the ball effectively. This was not a good game tonight, uh, you know. So uh, we'll evaluate as we move forward. But um, I'm looking at this as a, as a we had a bad day at the office offensively tonight, and, and we've got to improve from it. So, I mean, I don't think that we're going to get into a situation where he's going to change the quarterback this week. I, I think that's the right approach. One, because it's a short week. So you don't have much time to reevaluate. You don't even have an off day. You just got to turn around and play. Um, and so that that in itself is going to make it difficult to make any real change at quarterback. But also, you know, this offense has been good four or five weeks with Andy Dolan at quarterback. So I don't think that you have one rough game and you – suddenly say, well, okay, change it. Because then you, you just, you know, you want consistency. And I think that was the biggest reason you stuck with Andy Dalton in the first place is if you have consistency and it's working, then why would you change it? So I think he's going to get one more week. If you if you go out to Pittsburgh and this offense shows up again and you're unable to move the ball, then I think you have to really start considering it. Jay Azul, season is lost. This is not a prepared team, a waste of a year. I don't think it's lost, but it's definitely not good. Marvelous. Just sit back and enjoy the losing streak, Saints fans. You can see the misery of this season coming a mile away. I think that's kind of the frustrating thing is like this could have all been seen coming, right? Like this is not the struggles this season aren't, you know, wow, who could have possibly thought that with Andy Dalton as your starting quarterback, things wouldn't go well. Right. <laughs> the the thing you didn't see coming was this defense not being able to shut people down. And, 
you know, maybe last week against the Raiders was a mirage. You know, I think the the secondary has actually been solid. It has been the front seven. You got pressure on Lamar, but you were unable to get him on the ground. There was like one time in the entire game where I felt like Lamar took a hit and it was Chris Harris tackling him after like a six yard gain. Like there were multiple times where you, you saw like four Saints defenders within like three feet of Lamar and they couldn't even get a finger on him. You know, you're not going to like, it's just this an athleticism deficit on this defense in the front seven outside of Pete Werner. I think Pete Werner is fine from an athletic standpoint. He's not the greatest athlete in the world, but he, he is athletic enough to get the job done. I think beyond him and maybe Peyton Turner, you just don't have a lot. You don't have a lot of speed. You don't have a lot of dynamic athletes who can chase a guy down, who can avoid getting juked. I mean, there was one play in the third quarter where Lamar literally just, actually it might've been the fourth quarter. Lamar, I'm pretty sure he broke four tackles on one play. And he was just, it was just, schoolyard just malarkey anyway i just I, I think it's an issue i really do and like again you see this team this ravens team adding players like roquan smith like they're they're adding players they already have patrick queen you know they already have justin houston they already have all these guys and they're adding roquan smith it's frustrating <laughs> that's all that's all i'm gonna say lisa mcdermott callaway is awful i don't know if he's awful i think he is what he is which is a depth wide receiver you wish he didn't have to be on the field as much as he is right like the weird thing is he and Andy Dalton for whatever reason have this great connection like Andy looks for him in big moments and he delivers sometimes he does it other times um it's like you wish that was Jarvis Landry you wish that was Michael Thomas they're not out there 504 co and 504 company you have to go back to Jameis right I, again I think I talked about this is yeah, not that this week. I don't think that you're going to overreact to one game in the sense that, you know, you were the number eight offense in the NFL, the number eight scoring offense, the number eight rushing offense, the number eight passing offense in the NFL going into this game. You know, the Ravens have a good defense. Things didn't go well from the jump. The play calling was questionable. The protection was non-existent. So you're not going to hold that against Andy to the point that you're benching him off of one bad performance. Now, if you go to Pittsburgh and you see similar things and you see the offensive line failing to protect and not being in the right spots and you don't, you can't push it down the field and Andy is just, isn't giving you enough in the sense that he's not an explosive quarterback, then maybe you do make a change, but I don't think you're making a change this week. <laughs> Pammy whammy at this point, I don't want to make the playoffs that that's the wrong take. And let me tell you why, like I get it. This is a team that if they made the playoffs would probably lose by 30 in the in the wild card round and get embarrassed based on how they're playing right now. But I I will tell you this right now. If you can avoid having to listen to Eagles fans talk about how they have a top 10 pick throughout the entire offseason, it's worth it. It's worth it to get embarrassed in the wild card round. I'm telling you right now, you know, you might not seem like it, but Eagles fans are the worst and it will be just awful to watch a team that is currently 8-0 <laughs> and has CJ Gardner Johnson and your 2022 three for I'm sorry, you're in your 2023 first and your 2024 second get a top 10 pick. 
If you make the playoffs, that pick at best is 19 and you can at least save face. So yeah, I I think whether you think this team has a chance in the playoffs, you should very much want them to get there. If they get there at seven and 10, if they get there at six and 11, who cares? Getting there means that that pick is number 19 and you feel you can at least laugh it off. (laughs) Like you, you can, you can laugh through the pain. It's not a four win team. Get out of here. I mean, they're going to win six games. I, I mean, they're gonna ha- they're gonna play the Panthers again. <laughs> that's at least the one win. Right? So that's your four. They they should beat the Steelers. You know, the Steelers are in very bad shape, and they're starting a rookie quarterback who is not good. None of the rookie quarterbacks this year are good, and that's why. Like, I don't blame the Saints for not going in on a quarterback because they're all bad. They're all bad. <laughs> Did you see Malik Willis the other night throwing for eighty yards? Like, they're all bad. There was no quarterbacks in this draft. None of these quarterbacks would be starting quarterbacks in three years. None of them. Kenny Pickett might survive long enough to be a starting quarterback on a team that's tanking for a first for a top draft pick. That's about it. Like there, none of these quarterbacks would be good. Alex Deville, what is up with the tipped balls? Every game this is happening. Yeah, that's 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 tough to gauge, right? Because it means that the defensive lineman didn't win on their rush. But it also means that they are not getting impacted by the offensive line to the point where they are unable to get up and make that deflection. And it means that Andy is not doing a good enough job of identifying where those where where the hands are going to be and throwing around them. It's tough. Like sometimes they just get up there and, and bat it down. There's not much you can do. But to have it happen three times in one game means you're not doing a good enough job of avoiding it. So I agree with that. Lisa McDermott says tank. It's a one word comment. Tank. There's no tanking. But what are you tanking for? You're tanking to give the Eagles the number one overall pick? Get out of here. Like, you're not doing that. That's the, like, the, the biggest reason you are not doing that is you don't have your first round pick. There's no benefit of tanking to get a higher second round pick. This, this name is Ben on Beast. Ben on Beast says, did Shahid even get a snap at wide receiver? I honestly, I'm not sure. He definitely didn't get a target. I'd be surprised if he didn't get any snaps. But you didn't run that many plays. Like, keep that in mind. You, you, the Saints ran 49 total plays. And a majority of those happen on the final drive, the two drives. Like, that's wild. The Ravens ran 65 plays. The weird thing is the Saints actually averaged 5.0 yards per play, and the Ravens averaged 4.9. There's a lot of comments in here. I'm going to have to close this off at some point because it is 1130. Randall Uffrecht, the Saints got punked on both sides of the lines tonight, and it's a problem. It, It very much is. I agree with you. Pelicans Nola, that game plan was made out of a coloring book. Possibly. NS, NSB Zanny. O-line played like tissue paper. Yeah, this was, you know, we talked for two weeks about how they've turned a corner and how this group is finally finding its way. And then suddenly you have this, you know, I do think that this this offensive line struggles with zone blitz schemes. Um, we saw it in week one. And they definitely did tonight. I mean, the, like, the Bravens are running a lot of stunts. It's a very good defense. You know, it's a very good linebacking group. It's a very physical defense, and they won. You know, and it it is tough because it's like this is a good team. This is a Ravens team who thinks it can win the Super Bowl, and this is a Saints team who probably shouldn't. And some games you just lose. Sometimes you just get beat. This is a game that you know when I did my projections preseason, like I was very confident that the Saints would not win this game. <laughs> you know, so it's it shouldn't be a surprise that the Saints lost this game. What makes it more frustrating is everything that happened leading up to this, right? If this team was instead of three and five, if this team was four and four, 
you would be like, okay, you know, this is a game where you probably are a little overmatched, right? Um, because you've blown games to teams you should beat. Now these games feel like they're so impactful. And that's, that's the frustrating part. Shambliss, the Saints offensive stats are smoke and mirrors. I do actually agree with this to an extent. I think you look at a team that's number eight in the league and all of these statistics, but it's like you you watch the games and you can see, you know, the the Ravens game that they made a lot of this yardage in garbage time. This game, you know, that you're, you're going to say that they had that touchdown to Juwan Johnson meant anything. No, it didn't. You know, and when you're getting blown out, it doesn't matter. And so, you know, the Seahawks game, the Raiders game, these were very good offensive performances. So it's not completely smoke and mirrors, but I think to an extent you're correct. Like the this offense hasn't been as good as the numbers would tell you it has been. Now it has been to this point consistent. And that's what changed today. Murdis really wants to see Taysom at QB. I, I, I don't I, the way he was used today, I think it was just a missed the, the, you missed the boat. Like you, you had a chance to use him in certain situations, and you decided not to. And then later in the game, it just phased out, and you didn't have a chance, and it got away from you. The same thing with Alvin Kamara. Um, it just from from the start it just didn't work. All right, let's get one more question, and then we'll go. Lisa McDermott, why didn't the Saints make any moves before the trade deadline? You know, I actually agree with the decision not to make any trades to bring anybody in, and I don't. And I don't necessarily hate the decision not to sell off pieces because, again, like I said, like, you know, this game is, a you know, this was a loss on my projection preseason. Like, this is a game that I'm not surprised. Like, nothing has changed in the sense that this is a game I expected them to lose and this is a game they lost. They're three and six. You you need to win a few more games, but you still have a chance to win this division. Um, and so, like, selling off pieces not really worth it for the dead money hits you're going to get. Um, there's nothing you could have really brought in that was going to move the needle. You got to win games. You got to find ways. And, uh, you know, I think the frustrating thing is you're halfway through the season and you don't feel like there's a lot to, uh, to pick up, but yeah, I hope this has been just as depressing to everyone listening as it has been to beyond. Cause I just don't have anything positive to say, but I have a lot that I have to say, cause that's the podcast and you have to talk whether you have positive things to say or not. When my mom told me not, I don't have anything nice to say, not to say anything at all, but that's not an option when you have to do a podcast. And so that's where I am. Again, my name is Jeff Nowak sitting in the Superdome. It's almost midnight. So I'm going to cut this off. You're listening to inside black and gold. Thanks for everyone who listened. Thanks for everyone who subscribes. If you haven't yet, go over and hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Always appreciate that. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak and let me know what you would like to see, what you'd like to hear. I can't do anything about the Saints being bad, but hey, you know, I can I can do something else about this podcast. Maybe come back with more energy when it is not 11 o'clock at night after a brutal loss. Man, this should be a LSU podcast, huh? Anyway, all right, y'all. Peace.